Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Unfortunately, Dallas couldn't join us tonight, but I traded him in for a better guest. Our guest today has played at every high-performance level in indoor, which includes U21, Team Ontario, and we're going to talk about his winter games year because there was a star-studded roster there, including the coaches. Uh, he's also represented Canada U21 on the beach and at U19, and was recently spotted at Beach Nationals because Jake McNeil needed a partner. He's currently at the University of Calgary. We're going to get into some Estonian stuff, uh, and just keep an eye on this guy because someday he's going to be a CEO, or he's going to run his own company, or he's going to do something, and he comes from the best family ever, so... Welcome to the show, Thomas Sora. Pleasure to be here. Thanks awesome, man. Yeah, so let's let's get into the audience, because I, I mentioned the Winter Games thing. They might not get it, so yeah. Al Arsenault's coaching. Yeah, head coaching, Al Arsenault, and then you, Josh Nichols. Myself, and joined by Steve Kong, Steve local Kong, legend. That's right, yeah. Uh, can you go down some of the rosters, some of the names that we had on the squad? Sure. So, setting was myself and Jordy Romero. Uh, we had Shawan on the team, Tariq was on the team, Andrew Tauheed. Um... Nick Gutierrez was on the team, Liam Butcherite, uh, Danon was on the team. I called him Danon back then, now he's Kofi, but uh, Kofi. yeah. <laughs> so I played correct, yeah. yeah. Kofi. So, Quite possibly the best U15, U16 team ever assembled, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, no. That was, that was a nuts team, yeah. We trained maybe, what was it, like five times before we played it? It was a really weird format. We maybe had four or five Sunday nights yeah. that you talk about, and sometimes it'd be after tournaments, so we try to like limit jumps and exactly, stuff. Exactly, yeah. Uh, the other Region 5 team was pretty good. We played Region 3 in the final. I think they had yeah. David Dottie and Taylor Jordan and some yeah. other guys. Like, Ontario Winter Games, it was buzzing that year. I was like, yeah, that was great. And they had also, like, Jordan Pereira was on that team, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that kind of your first hint at high-performance volleyball? Like, I... Me being there, I didn't think we were, like, that good. Like, if somebody were to stop me and pull me aside, like, you know there's, like, a dozen national team guys here. I'd be like, who? Like, I Honestly, can't count I them all. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I, yeah, that was probably the first step into the high-performance scene, even though it was, like, still like, way below that what I've been doing now and everything. But, yeah, that was definitely the stepping stone, I think. But, um, yeah, it was a sweet experience, and it was definitely a good barrier to surpass to kind of get into that. Like, I think if we assemble that team now at the same college or university, like, that's that's a national title contender right up the That's you sport gold medal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You sport gold medal. <laughs> so, fill our listeners in on the next process. So, that was kind of, I think U14, U15, U16 was the kind of, like, the winter games age. And then you start going into Team Ontario, and you kind of got identified early as an indoor guy, even though Beach kept trying to steal you back. So, you were yeah. one of the few who would do Team Ontario with Beach in indoor. Yeah. Uh, just kind of explain what your summers were like, what that training was like. Sure. Uh, so I'm from the beaches, so I live in the east end of Toronto. Um, so pretty much Ashbrook's Bay is like maybe like a three, five minute drive. So that was always kind of like my backyard. And uh, every, yeah, when I started playing volleyball, like I was always just indoor. And then I'd play beach in the summer for fun. And yeah, I got identified for like Team Ontario Beach Volleyball when I was, I was like 14 or 15 maybe. And then I made the team and then I was on that for a whole summer. And then the following summer was my first time doing the indoor Team Ontario phase. And that was like a month and a half maybe or something like that. Only the NTCCs in Edmonton. But um, yeah, it was it was tough, especially like you train beach for like two months or like maybe a month and then you go to HPC for indoor and then if you get selected for the team you're indoor for like a month. And then you come back and you're still with the beach now or the beach provincial team. And have to compete at nationals and provincials with no practice. <laughs> That's right. Because so, you always come back. NTCs were always like the end of July. Yeah. So you come back for provs and then nationals. Yeah. And yeah. So that, managing that season. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty hard flip-flopping. And like back then, it, I hated that we having to switch between the two. Because I was so bad when I'd come back on either 
uh, on either court. So, and even now, somehow you found a way to switch back and forth because you you played beach first, I think internationally first, right? Yeah. Uh, so you went to U19s, yeah. and then you went to U21s, and then yeah. the last two years you've been with Indoor, right? Yeah, last two years Indoor. Nice. So on the beach, uh, our, our listeners should know, because Dallas and I talk about this a lot, you would have won some trials, I guess, to go to the beach yeah. competitions, right? Yeah. Uh, who hosted the U19s the first year you went? Uh, Cyprus hosted it. And so I was in Cyprus, and then the second one for U21s was in China. Perfect. And you played with Dylan Devaseri? Dylan Devaseri was my first partner, yeah, for U19 in Cyprus, and then Logan Mend was my and I also got to work with you guys at Canada Games. So Logan Men oh, from yeah. uh, BC slash Ontario slash yeah, friend of the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Doesn't matter where your home address is. Exactly. If you go to York University, you're an Ontario resident, and uh, you can play for us. Ontario. <laughs> nice. Uh, so most recently, I guess, would be your indoor experience. Yeah. So I think our listeners will get a kick out of this. Um, I've hinted a couple times that I got to shadow Lionel, and a bunch of us kind of learned and learned that of Ollie and their scouting system. And everybody who's been to Gatineau during like a training session will yeah. say like there's a mood about it, right? Definitely. Um, can you talk about your first impressions about what it was like, even at tryouts and kind of meeting like, even though they weren't directly your coaches, kind of running into Dan Lewis and seeing Glenn and all the other stuff. Like, what what stands out in your mind that indoor is doing so well right now in Gatineau? I think the structure of it is is really well done and it's very organized and they have a set plan and then they follow that plan really well. Um, don't really veer from it so yeah for me like i had been to Gatineau before the trials uh, with team ontario we did like a training camp with right. pc so when i went there for the junior team trials in my first cycle like i kind of had an idea of like where the people eat like at the buffet de continent and then, like i know what the training center looks like and kind of like how it runs but i'd never been to like a trial before with like coaches that are like the top ones in the country and like also the head coach was a guy from brazil like joao paulo bravo so that was also different for me with like having a guy that I've never worked with before, never seen before, and have that language barrier as well. So that was definitely like intimidating. Um, and then you have like the best athletes in the country trying out for this team uh, to get selected. So that was really hard. And me being a shorter setter, like 6'2, six 6'3 six ish, that was tough as well, getting used to having like six six setters <laughs> and like many of them. <laughs> so no, it, it was definitely like a. Kind of like a wake up call to like know that how much harder like I needed to work, and then I made a team. But um, yeah, I was definitely like I started working out like very like diligently and like always like keeping track on my schedule and like waking up really early, eating really well the whole time, and going to bed earlier than normal. And yeah, I, I hadn't really done that before until like the first uh, national team cycle, which was to me last year, and then this year again. So you mentioned the plan. Is there any opportunity for autonomy or it's kind of everybody walks in and you kind of walk the line because Glenn's got enough evidence, I think, at this point yeah. that his system does work and he's got Dan running the same system at the younger level and, yeah. and obviously Shane and your other coaches you talked about with uh, bringing it in that is the national team just what it is right now and everybody shows up and you fall in line or is there opportunity to kind of ask questions and then really understand what's going on? Uh, there's definitely times where you can ask questions and seek guidance. Like Dan Lewis will pop into practice sometimes and you can literally just walk up to him and ask him whatever question you want and he will have an answer for you, like, ready to go. And uh, he'll also, like, jump in into practice and, for example, like, pull you aside and be like, hey, you should work on this, even though he's not running the practice. But it's helpful for everyone, right? And everyone, like, has the respect for each other. And same with, like, if Glenn was in, like, uh, like whenever, like, the A-team was training, like, he'd come and, like, watch our practice and, like, talk to our coaches about new things he wants us to work on based off of, like, what he knows at practice or something like that. Because in the end, like, the junior team and the B-team are technically both 
enters into the A team anyway. So the, like, I know that, for example, when the A team's training, the B team will train with the exact same schedule and like the same practice plans as the A team. So that if one of the guys has to be called up, like there's no disconnect. Like they are already right into it. They know what they need to do because they're doing the exact same stuff as the A team. So that was really cool for me to kind of like witness and kind of play through. Yeah, yeah, it's really impressive. Um, in speaking to Joey Jarvis, who's been there, a, a good Ontario guy and friend of the show, he even mentioned that when Riley Barnes was at the center because he, he had like a delayed contract at yeah. the start of the year. Like, there's no fences between the A guys. Like, they don't kind of big time you and say like, no. "Oh, I'm not going to answer your questions." Like, it yeah. seems like. At least they are willing to yeah, help. They and, want to help. Yeah, it's kind of a neat feeling that I'm sure if you stepped out of line and didn't put the weight room back the way it's supposed <laughs> to, or you guys didn't shake balls, you, but, you uh, hear from you hear about <laughs> it. Oh yeah, you you get told off. <laughs> so no, but that's all good, right? And like yeah, we also would be working out all in the same weight room, so I could be uh, doing like deadlifts, and all of a sudden beside me, just like one of the eighteen guys doing the exact same workout or whatever, and we're just talking the whole time. Or if I'm doing something wrong, they'll help me out or. Um, we mentioned the coaches. I I, I, yep. I would regret this if we didn't give a shout out. Can you just explain what Frank's role is and how much he really does for the program? I, I, he's kind of the unsung hero that I think he deserves a, a big shout out here. Frank Boyer is the man. <laughs> <laughs> he is the man. He runs the show. He makes everything run smoothly and he's always on top of the work. And He's one of the hardest working guys there at the center because we, no nothing would be running without him. Um, like For example, I remember like came back from Peru with the team and the shoes that I had, they weren't, they didn't feel great on my feet or whatever. And I went to Frank, I was like, Hey, like, do you mind if I like try on maybe another pair of shoes or get another pair of Mizuno shoes? He's like, yeah, absolutely. Like I'll bring them to the next practice. Shows up with like six boxes of shoes. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, try all of them on and let me know which one works. And then just take that one. I'm like, wow. I don't know this treatment from, I wouldn't get this from anyone else. So, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he's always, especially like during BNL weekends in Ottawa, like he's, always busy with like making sure everything runs really because he's the guy so yeah he's like i don't know what his actual title is but it seems like he's head of logistics for everything head like every category like pretty much administration like team managers and stuff like that so yeah nice so you've been a setter at we talked about the winter games level yeah. uh obviously at club uh you won your first 18 u provincial championship as a 16 year old yeah uh you've got a couple silver medals at the 18 u level yeah and now you're setting at the university level is there anything you can kind of help connect for our listeners that kind of you wish you would have known at a younger age or something that you valued that made you so successful? Like, I think, is it fair to say the National Team Center? I think uh, listening to their coaches, they really track first ball side out. They like when yeah. setters can earn one-on-ones. Like, yeah. is there little tips that you could give to a young setter? Like, TJ was great for us about when he's scouting a game, he really wants to look at the other team's blocking system. That yeah. He wants to be so prepared that if the other team were to scout TJ, they really need to know themselves really well because that's yeah. what he's going to exploit, right? So. Is there anything that stands out in your mind that a club setter should know from the national team system or anything that kind of blew your mind about like, wow, this is really valuable. I can't wait to really apply this with my university team. That's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little long-winded. That's sorry, a really but, good uh, question. Um, honestly, I relay the same stuff that TJ was saying. Like Knowing the opponent's blocking system is definitely the biggest thing that you can exploit and use to your benefit um, based off of like the personnel, of course, that it changes per team. But um yeah, definitely knowing the blocking system and knowing like how to get those one-on-ones and playing the gaps and knowing which gaps to set in scenarios based off of like who's at the net block and whose side and like who our attackers are or whatever it may be and kind of establishing your offense like usually from middle pipe and then kind of span out from that. Um, and yeah, and then <laughs> one more thing that Shane White was like really hard on us this summer was 
whenever you set a guy, always go back to him, like if it's in the same rally, like no matter what. But if it's a middle, never do it twice in a row. If it's pipe, never do it twice in a row. But left side, right side, if they don't score on that first uh, ball of the, the attack, set them right away again in the same like sequence of rallies, whatever. <laughs> it sounds That's, so like, simple, but thing. when you watch club, you're right. Yeah. If the left side doesn't slide out, then yeah. the setter just kind of starts going around the wheel, right? And yeah. taking different turns with trying to yeah. find a guy where. Well, because if you think about it, like if you set a left side ball, yeah, their right side block is going to go and close block. Middle comes and closes. Then they have to go neutral when, let's say, if they get like a block touch or like a slowdown or whatever it is, like they don't want to go back to where they just came from. Right. So that's like, honestly, that's probably one of the easiest tips to have for like a young setter. It's like if you set a guy and the rally continues and he doesn't score, set him right away again. Nice. And yeah. um, is there a system that kind of Volleyball Canada really wants to young setters to understand? Like, were you kind of demanded to... Maybe use a spread where you send the middle on a shoot if you want to get the right side of one on one. Or is there any little things that kind of would help prepare somebody to understand gun system? Are they? I think they're big into time differential. I think if you have the mm -hmm. skill to do it, like you yeah. mentioned, the pipe ball is probably something that club players should start working on sooner than later. I think the pipe was the biggest one. Like if you have a really good pipe, like your outsides can be mediocre and they're still going to score, like guaranteed. If you can own the middle of the court, I think that's what they try and are trying to be big on. And, Having that really fast tempo offense with like the red sets to the right side and the black sets to the left side, having that from pretty much like the three meter line or just outside the three meter line, that's huge. Obviously, it depends on passing, but yeah, owning the middle of the court and running that middle pipe and then trying to do anything there. Now, is this something that's statted? Like we've talked about uh, in previous episodes, Gavino's got cameras everywhere. I think yeah. everything can be evaluated or you yeah. can evaluate yourself. Yeah. Um, so when you would kind of be working your tail off at a U21 camp getting ready for Norseka, were you kind of seeing how many one-on-ones you could get or what the first ball side was, or what would you try to review to make sure that like you were getting better in practice? Um, yeah, so they do have cameras over. They even have cameras on the ceiling, so you can see like your penetration on blocking, nice. which is crazy. But um, yeah, so after each practice, the like at the end of the day, they'll post the video from the two practices in the day, so practice twice a day, on Those weren't statted. We stat only when we like scrimmage like the B team, for example, or if we do like inner squad stuff, and then we'll have our statistician come in and, and do all that. But um, yeah, it's kind of like whatever you feel you need to work on the most, that's what you would like go and review and make sure that you're either doing what you need to do or like know what you're supposed to be doing instead of making the errors or whatever it is. Perfect. Just to make sure our listeners understand, so yeah. you played for Pac-Man and yeah. you played, your 17U team actually won 18U Provincial. That's how you were yeah. such a young guy, right? Yeah. Um, and then you guys repeated when yep. it was your actual 18 year. year. Yeah. Uh, sorry, when it was their 18 year, year, you were still with the 17 year old. Yeah. And then you stayed back, obviously, and would have inherited a new group. And I think that's yeah. when you played with the catchers and skis. Catchers right? and skis, yeah. And Matt Harris is coaching that. Yeah. Perfect. So yeah. Um, let's give Pac Man a bit of a shout out. You sure. would have played with Schwan. Yeah. Uh, Farveer was on that squad. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Tariq came in 18 U. Uh, who else was on the Ferreira would have came Jordan Ferreira was 18 years as well as little Ferreira. The one with Liam Butchright, I think, was was 17 years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was that was a really good group of guys. <laughs> so Very what was, tall. <laughs> what was practice like with uh, 
Orestanko, a legendary coach, and I hope our listeners, if you haven't heard of him, we're going to talk about him a lot more. Hopefully, we can even get him on the show. I think when he yeah. retired from UT, I think he was by far one of the winningest coaches in oh, UA history. Definitely. He might still be up there. I haven't checked the records, but uh, yeah. obviously a character, a good guy. Uh, <laughs> coached your father when he yeah, was Yeah, he coached UT. my dad at UT, too, and then he coached me in the club. It's pretty crazy. So you've probably heard of Oris before, but what were oh, some yeah. of the practices like when you're kind of like, oh, this is real now, like it's going down? Um... His practices were, were interesting because he'd have one or two drills, and it was usually like a wash drill, and you would do that for two hours, no matter what. And it's like, it's so hard on the mental state because you're like, okay, I'm getting more of this, but at the same time, it's like, well, we're getting better. Like, I don't really know what the deal is, but yeah, he loved picking like a few drills and then just sticking to them, just freaking going for it the whole time. So that was awesome, and he was, a, he was really hard on the guys as well, so he would definitely like demand a lot from them and if you weren't performing to how you would like how you should be or how he felt you should be, you'd hear about it. <laughs> you'd hear about it. Big accountability guy. He's Big not afraid to <laughs> hold eye contact a little too long, oh, call yeah. you out for stuff that you should be Definitely. doing. Like um yeah, everyone kinda wondered how we do at the youth level. I think he did yeah. quite well. I I think he did well the whole entire team. We met all at nationals for both years he was there coaching us and also we went to nationals both years that he was coaching so yeah, he's got that to his resume. I think he won one volleyball his first year when he was coaching. It's definitely this <laughs> guy so. touches. He did, he's yeah. good to go. Well, so. he got also a silver medal at Nationals with U of T in the 90s. Yes. They lost to Manitoba, I think. And until the Mac round of recent, I think that was our medal for like the longest, longest time. time. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, definitely a guy we're going to have to get on the show and oh, get some 100%. stories from him. Uh, <laughs> he definitely has really good ones, too. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Lots of experience. So, with your dad being a U of T guy and yeah. kind of your teammates being at a Pac-Man club where it does produce a lot of post-secondary uh, athletes, what went into your decision and kind of what made you land on the University of Calgary? Honestly, it was very last minute and kind of random because uh, I was kind of focusing more towards like McMaster or University of Toronto. And, and then all of a sudden it was like February and one of my friends, Parker Soroshka, friend of the show, uh, <laughs> he, he shot me a message and he's like, hey man, like, kind of need another setter to come in like one of the guys like left and gave me a setter I was like cool man and yeah he's like come for a visit and I'm like I love Calgary like I remember playing nationals there it was sweet and I love the venue I was like yeah sure I'll come for a visit didn't really think much of it and then I went and had a blast on the trip like it was an awesome like it was just so much fun like bonding with the team like the girls team was out as well with us and like everyone showed me around the city and got to practice with the team and yeah I kind of came back and was like you know what that was actually like a like a pleasant surprise and then yeah, it's from there. I was like, I don't know. I was always I was always a homebody, so I was kind of always banking on like sticking in Toronto or like Hamilton, for example, or Mac or something like that. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to go out on a limb and say like, yeah, I might as well go out west and kind of get away from the Ontario scene and export my options, like export the options that I have and explore them or whatever. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Did the honeymoon phase end pretty early? Was the recruiting trip was it what it is like there, or uh, did it change right away? No, like, it was definitely like that at first because I was, like, so fresh, right? Like, I just was so eager to kind of get to know people and understand how, like, the Can-West system works and living on my own in, like, a totally different province and kind of all that. Tariq was at uh, U of A, so, like, that kind of helped me as well because he was in Edmonton. Right. So that helped me so if I ever had any, like, issues or I got the call or whatever. But, um, yeah, no, I <laughs> the honeymoon phase obviously lasts, like, a certain amount of time and it kind of fades away for everyone. So, like, now it's obviously, like, I'm not. You've experienced Calgary winter and you didn't transfer, so obviously. Yeah, so that's a good sign. That's a good sign. It's interesting because it's such a dry winter, so like it, it's it can be minus thirty, which feels like minus 
five in Toronto. It was so humid and wet here, so that was not too bad. You don't get chilled to the bone, but lots of snow. Early nice. September, lots of snow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every time we have a guest on who's played Canada West, we try to really pick yeah. their brain just because I think traditionally it's been like the conference as far as getting national titles oh, yeah. and kind of going for it. Yeah. Um, can you describe, I guess, the level there? Or did you have an expectation? Did, did it match? Did it kind of exceed it? Um, well, I had expectations, of course, but at the same time, like, I didn't really know what to expect because, like, it was such a last-minute thing. So I didn't really do my research on it and like do my homework on it. So, um, yeah, the one thing that I came to realize like really quickly was um, you pretty much have to play your starters every weekend. Like, even if it's like quote unquote like a lower-ranked team or like one of the bottom teams in Can West, like if you don't play your starters, like it's a hard. It's going to be a hard path to win. <laughs> So that was different. So pretty much, if you're a starter on your team, like you're Iron Manning the whole season, the whole season, <laughs> which is hard. But um, that was definitely something I get used to because obviously, like in OUA, like you could play specific teams and maybe put like a B lineup on or something to rest your starters. For example, like if they had a, like a double header weekend or something. But mm. so that was kind of different for me. I had to get used to that. But now it's like normal. So. And being in Calgary is every weekend a double header, or would you every do a home and home with? U of A or no? It's always a double header. Always a double header. So you play the Friday night and then you play the Saturday night and then wherever you are, if you're away, then you come back. You do the Saturday night. If you're in Alberta, most likely you'll take a bus. So if we take a bus to U of A, for example, but um, yeah, you'll just fly home the next morning. So yeah, double header every single weekend. That's, so that's hard. Yeah, and what goes into that prep? Because obviously the game plan for Friday night needs to change for Saturday. You can't just repeat it, right? Exactly. The, yeah. the other coaches are watching and evaluating yeah. and prepping too. So. Um, kind of what was the lead-in for the week, and then what would you look to adjust kind of going into the, the second match? Um, so usually we would do a video session on the Wednesday and then kind of have like our game plan. We get our sheets and everything of what we want to do and how we're going to like kind of attack the first game. Um, and then we'd go there the night before we play or like the day of. We'd watch video again and kind of go over the game plan just to refresh everyone's mind. Uh, then you play the Friday night, and then obviously like things are going to change because of scenario situation based right so um we'll adjust a lot of things to like our game plan and then on the saturday morning we'll have another video session based off of the game that we played the previous night because everything's uploaded to VidSwap. so we'll either use VidSwap or our assistant coach is like also our stats guy so he would have the video and just kind of crop it all or something like that or like data volume and uh then you adjust it like accordingly to whatever happened the night before nice because i think can West really showed its depth for, I think U of A finally lost, like, was that a quarter or a semi when they lost to Thompson River? Uh, that was a quarter. I think it was a quarter. Yes, and I think the national ranking system bailed out U of A. To yeah, get that NRS. Back in. The NRS system. Everyone's best friend. <laughs> yeah, because I think um, everyone's obviously going to credit Trinity and UBC and U of A for kind of being the ones who have consistently gone, yeah. but like you said, the depth of the division, even playing SAS would be a game. Right. Oh, like there's, so there's no weekends really off. Tough game. U of yeah. M is really good. Winnipeg yeah. can get you like great coach with Larry McKay there. So exactly, I think yeah. what is the format? You play twenty league matches, eighteen somewhere in there, all double headers, roughly like, around there. And yeah, everything's double header. Yeah. So so you mentioned the starters, but I think the credit like it seems like all the coaches are pretty good too, right? So oh, yeah, everyone's prepping, everybody's adjusting. Yeah. So uh, it just seems like top to bottom, it's just a grind to even make the playoffs in your division yeah. and then to get out, right? Getting out of especially the quarters is super tough like quarterfinals are, it's like based off of like who you match up with of course but like if you want to make playoffs but you want a home playoff spot 
if you don't get your home playoff spot, man, it's tough to win the quarterfinals. Right. Yeah, because wherever you're going, like it's gonna be rowdy, very rowdy, and that like we've experienced even in like regular league games. But when it comes to playoff time, then you guys may take another step above <laughs> the rowdiness. Now, do you think the schedule of Canada West kind of lends itself to being good at national championships? Because it seems like Canada West would be good at adjusting on the fly and identifying stuff, where in Ontario, and I've, I've spoke to coaches like this, you might play somebody in November, but then you don't play them again until February, right? So you yeah. don't have, you're not forced to adjust on the fly or really identify little things, where it, it seems like the last few years with when Kerry McDonald was at UBC or everything that Ben Joe's done at Trinity, in-game matchups are changing. They're, they're, yeah. They might script something for the first set and then change it. Yeah. Um, do you think it's just because of the level of prep that the schedule demands? Honestly, yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so for sure. Um, and all coaches always have like their A lineup and then a B and a C lineup that they know like if something happens, like we can always switch things up and have a totally different lineup, like put a different setter out or like run this, like a different right side or whatever, like whatever it may be. But um, yeah, I think everything is kind of based on of like how like difficult the schedule can be. So definitely. So going into this season, uh, what are you excited for? What are you looking forward to? The Squad graduated with you guys? Yeah, so we graduated one of our setters who was in his fifth year. We graduated our libero, um, and then another fifth year middle, and then one of our left sides, Tim Taylor, he's going pro as well. Like he's playing Cranston, one of our setters. So it's like four guys that are, that are gone. So that'll be tough because they're all older, but it's nice as well in the way that like the, my year, so I'm going my third year, we have a lot of third years. Like a lot, because we had, I think, two or three guys red shirt first year so they're also in my year and I didn't register it so we maybe have like a core group of like maybe seven or eight of us now and that'll be sweet to kind of like work with them for like two years or like two three years now so it's very exciting it's kind of like a new chapter in the in the program right now so. nice so it's good that you guys have been together and you and I kind of joked at Beach Nationals that yeah. Calgary per capita I think has a lot of really good volleyball players and top to bottom your roster is majority Calgary guys right so <laughs> you see the introductions <laughs> from Calgary Alberta from Calgary Alberta yeah everyone's from there and then you get the odd Australian guys so <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, there's then, always Australians in Canada so yeah you're probably more rare as an Ontario guy than the Australian is right oh yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll walk around campus for example and give, like I'll introduce myself They're like where are you from Toronto why are you here? <laughs> I'm like, wow, what if I make you feel good about myself? <laughs> no, it's it's all good. But yeah, no, coming from Toronto, like there's not really many people from Toronto and Alberta. So that was different. Yeah. Definitely more hobbies. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because I think the, the Calgary pipeline, correct me wrong, your coach coaches club, right? Like Yeah, Roger Ann, he coaches club at, for the Dinos. And then the assistants would probably also be involved in club yeah. somehow. And so. then some of the guys on my team also help coach club too. So perfect. Yeah, I think it really energizes. Like when we spoke to Jesse Elser, he talked about like a lot of second generation national team guys with kind of like roots in Calgary. But Lots. I think there's also people just kind of building that cycle where when they're in university, they coach club and then that cycle will go on and yeah. on. And yeah, it just seems Calgary's doing a lot of good stuff. Yeah, they know how to produce their athletes. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> perfect. So thanks for covering that. We'll look forward to cheering you on this season. Thanks. Um, Listeners of the show will know we're we're a big fan of Estonia. We, we oh, had, uh, we are. <laughs> we we learned a lot of uh, about Estonia when we had uh, Kusti and Mart on the show. Yep. So if you haven't listened to that, go back to our bonus episode. But not only that, some of those posts led to the most comments I think we've ever had, and it was Definitely. all it was you and Valius and Poldma. <laughs> and, so can you just touch on the Estonian culture and how does a city like Toronto have such a tight, big Estonian culture, and why do they all love volleyball? Um. Great question. Favorite question of the night. No. Oh, love it. <laughs> um, 
Well, it kind of all stems back to World War II when a lot of people that, like uh, came to Canada from Estonia uh, fled, fled the country because of the whole Russian invasion and stuff like that. So um, main hub was yeah, like Toronto, and then New York City was another big one, and also like in New Jersey area, like Lakewood, New Jersey. So um, yeah, that kind of started it. So my grandparents, they all came, and they had that big Estonian community within Toronto. And then, of course, like then my, my parents' generation, they're like the kind of like the newbies to being born in Canada, right? So like obviously they're going to be speaking Estonian at home, and then they learn English at school, but they're born here. And then you kind of have them; they're all like best friends with their parents, like a friend's kids or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So then everyone's like a tight community within that. And then there's also like folk dancing, there's like choirs, there's scouts and guides and stuff like that. And yeah, it's like there's a whole community. And it's all, it, like, a, like it's pretty much a Broadview and Danforth is like where the Estonian house is within Toronto. And uh, yeah, then my generation, we have kind of the same. We've adopted the similar thing where like all my closest best friends, their parents were my parents' best, friends, like my dad's best friends, for example. And it's just kind of stemming from that. And then we have such a tight knit community because it's like, I don't know, like either you're blood related to someone or you just share this passion for this culture. So that's really cool. Say, for example, I know, like Alex Colton, I know him through like my dad being friends with like his mom or his dad, and then knowing him ever since I was born. So yeah, yeah, because there there'd be the Values family, the yep. Sora family, the Poldmas, uh, even at Ontario Volleyball, Christine Nylander used to yep. go on the beach tour. Alicia yep. Lidoms is still there. Yep. Uh, Landis Doyle is Estonian. Yeah, um, I, I get that Estonians tend to be tall. Is that why the volleyball draw or what? They, you I guys think, have this big camp, right? Like, honestly, it's, I don't really know what it is. I think it's just like they love playing it stem from there and like our parents generation they all kind of played it so then the kids started playing it too and yeah i don't really know honestly where the whole volleyball thing came <laughs> from and it was just like a sudden like urge to play a sport and i don't know maybe that was like the most obscure sport at the time they're like hey let's try that i don't know <laughs> like was your first experience with volleyball at, at the camp or with yeah. family and stuff like yeah. do you remember how old you were uh like eight maybe seven but I, where it started for me was so within the Stone community there's fraternities and sororities so my dad's part of a, a frat and every year there's an annual like frat volleyball tournament oh, okay and it used to be hosted at U of T Scarborough campus so him and his frat like friends they all play in this big tournament and like for example like Alex Coldman and like his dad like they don't they play on their frat teams on a different one and yeah every year in February I'd come and just have a volleyball and I don't know I just play between matches or like pepper with my dad or whatever it is and that, honestly, I don't even know how old I was when I started one of those, like, since I can remember. So I think that was where I kind of, like, got the passion for it, so. And then the volleyball camp, obviously, like, I kind of stepped off, but. Awesome, yeah, once we started to count it up, and then, I, again, when we talked to uh, Team Estonia, who came to Edmonton yeah. at the Three Star, they mentioned that they, they spotted a Estonian flag in the crowd. Turns oh, out it was yeah. uh, Austin Valleys' uh, mom and dad. Mom and dad, and, yeah. And obviously, Christina was there. That uh, yeah. yeah, even I think John May might claim to be Estonian now. He, he's got it. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's in the family, so I think these are his people now. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. It just seems like very supportive. Just a good group of people, it and is, like you yeah. said, like uh, the social circle is pretty strong, and it goes on from generation to generation. So it seems yeah. like a pretty pretty neat culture, actually. Definitely. Yeah. Nice. Um, so let's wrap it up here with a little bit of beach talk because sure. uh, you were you were probably the highest ranked free agent that when. Uh, <laughs> Some partners started going down, so Will Hoey was unable to play in Beach Nationals, so yeah. Jake McNeil gives you the call. Yeah. Um, 
you did play in provincials, but did you want to play nationals? Was this part of your plan? So I was not planning on playing nationals. <laughs> so I bailed on like my partner Greg Gukets, uh like, like a week before nationals. I was like, yeah, like I'm not playing. I'm going to the college and enjoying that. And that was kind of a set plan. And then Liam Cock gets hurt and, and Gabe like Berlaka gives me a call and I'm like, like man, I can't. Like I've already committed to not playing. And then I said like the like Greg and Gabe up to play. And then I was like, perfect. I'm in the clear. Like everything's good. And then. Wednesday night, I got a call from Jake McNeil. He's like, man, like, Will's hurt. No one can play. Like, can you play? I'm like, oh. Wednesday night, the tournament starts Friday. Friday morning, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, man, you put me in the toughest situation here. And, yeah, I just, I don't know. I talked to Kiana. <laughs> kind of went from there. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll play. I guess I'll play. And, yeah, I ended up being third rank. <laughs> Pretty much I had no points. Exactly. <laughs> Jake carried me the whole time, so... <laughs> Uh, great. Yeah, it looked like you guys had a lot of fun. What do you enjoy about playing with Jake McNeil? What does he bring out in people? Oh, playing with Jake. Uh, he just gets the biggest burst of energy. And just You could ha be having the worst game of your life, and he just makes you feel like you're the man. Like, <laughs> I could miss, like, four spin serves in a row and, like, not be siding out at all and get no blocks in a match, and he's like, dude, like, you're the man. Like, keep grinding. Like, just keep doing you. Or just, like, pop me up on two for every single pass or something like that. So, you just kind of, like, boost your confidence a lot. And always, like, a positive and helpful, like, emotional leader. So, yeah. Uh, he's, yeah, he's a really fun guy to play with. Nice. And, obviously, indoors kind of got your attention. You played at the university level. You were involved in the U21 squad. But, uh, We've got some video we might release where you and you and Shawan came to the beach and uh, it created a little bit of buzz where I, I was a little late for practice. I was helping our, our guys at the Moscow Four Star Scout and I'm, I'm walking towards the court and there's got to be like 14 to 20 like kids watching practice. I'm just yeah. like, what's going on? And then I get a little bit closer and obviously there's you and Shawan wearing your Team Canada shirts and obviously all the kids <laughs> got one eye on everybody. And yeah. It was just kind of a neat atmosphere. Um, how did that get roped in? What? Shawan was just home and he gave you the call and you guys decided to go to the beach? Like Honestly, it was the most random thing. So I was going to practice because um, Gabe was playing with Greg and then Liam Cop. He was like, yeah, I'll play, but I'm not going to be hitting at all. So I need a partner to jump in. So I, I got asked to play and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come play. And then all of a sudden I get the call from Jake. So I end up playing with him for like nationals and then Jake comes to practice. Right? So there's now five of us. You can't have five at a beach you practice. Can't have it five just ruins everything, yeah, right? You might as well just go home. So yeah. <laughs> pretty much you show up. And then, but like before, like I woke up maybe like 7.30 and I was kind of getting ready for the practice. I think it started at like maybe 9 or 9.30. Yeah, right, right. And yeah. Uh, I get a call from Shawan. Like I haven't seen him since the VNL in Ottawa pretty much. And that was in June. And yeah, he called me. He's like, man, like, where are you? I'm like, uh, like in bed. <laughs> like, where else would I be on? Like I'm morning at this time. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, I'm at the beach. I'm like, cool. Like, so like, what's up? He's like, well. I'm here, like, I'm ready to play. Like, I'm in my shorts and my spandex, and, like, I'm ready to play. I'm like, wow. Well, I'm practicing, and if there's five of us, I'm assuming you could jump in. He's like, cool, I'll see you in a bit. So I go down, and naturally, yeah, there's five of us, and then Liam's like, hey, like, Shawan, you want to play? You're here, and you're kind of ready. So there's six of us, he's like, 100%. So he just comes into practice, and then <laughs> we just started practicing. And it was funny, too, because, like, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't played in a while, and Shawan hasn't played beach maybe, like, two or summers or two three years whatever it is and it was the windiest day of oh the yeah so if you release the video that's definitely like one of like 
probably the worst. <laughs> there was one play where everyone's kind of like, this is one of the best right sides in the world. We're kind of like the wind took yeah. it and he kind of flubbed it. And then there was one where he kind of announced yeah. his presence with authority. So there, there's, there's, yeah, there's exactly. some good clips from practice I think we have to we, get We on. can make a, a shanking highlight tape probably <laughs> of just balls that's not being passed well at all. <laughs> I, I think this is a good lesson for any indoor athlete that if they want to yeah. show up with their gear and they yeah. either give you a call or yeah, if they want to sure. shoot passing dimes, a little Instagram message, we can get you involved in a practice. Nobody's going to turn you away. Exactly. Like, if you're tall and physical, you're on the court. <laughs> like Gord Perrin, you know, Bygrass, TJ, yeah. we're looking at you guys. If you're ever in, in Ashbridge's Bay and you want to play you're more than welcome. Exactly. <laughs> Just make sure you show up ready. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you got to chase us a little bit, but uh, we won't turn you away. Exactly. Little cat nose. Nice. So, you being a high-level guy at Indoor and Beach, kind of what do you enjoy about going back and forth? Uh, obviously, I won't make you pick one over the other. Yeah. Is there certain parts that you enjoy of each that kind of goes you get you uh, going back and forth? Because I feel like LTAD says somebody your age should choose one, right? They should yeah. probably shouldn't be playing for Team Canada both, but yeah. you're, you're kind of the role model in that area, so... <laughs> What keeps you uh, going back and forth? Um, well, now that I live in Calgary all year, it's kind of like, kind of miss home, right? So I'll be playing indoor all year, and I, I love it, of course, but when I come home, which I'm not home for long because I've been with the indoor team in Catano for the past two summers, but yeah, I just have a sudden urge to kind of get out in the sun and finally get your tan going and just have fun with your friends and that you haven't seen in a long time, so then I'll just show up and kind of play, and then one thing leads to another, I'll Sign for some tournaments, and then once I'm done with the beach stuff, I'm like, you know what, I kind of miss indoor again. <laughs> nice. And then you just go back to the indoor scene, and like being with like the junior national team the past two summers, like I've grown to like really love like the indoor game again, and I'm like super passionate about it. And that was really like a big eye opener for me, and like knowing how hard I need to work. So, and now I've kind of been transferring that into like when I come back and have fun on the sand as well, and still being able to like compete even though I don't have much practice behind me. So, yeah, when I was younger, it was definitely harder to transition between the two. I'd be playing indoor, I'd want to play beach, and I'm playing beach, and I just want to play indoor. <laughs> so now it's kind of like I've got my balance out of peace now. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. I did mention in your intro where I think you're going to run your own company or a company someday, um, but hopefully volleyball is your first occupation, whether that's indoor yeah, or beach. Exactly. Hopefully, hopefully you take a run at that. Yeah. Um, so kind of what's next for you? you got UFC coming up. Yeah. Um, You've aged out of U21 indoor, is that correct? Yeah, so that so would mean either a B team or a Visu tryout? Yeah, B team, Visu are the next step for the indoor stuff. And then if I wanted to do some more beach, that would be uh, like, like. I think like, our Visu is every other year, so it might be yeah. coming up this upcoming yeah. year. And, and then I like, try to play like North Sea Kids or like One Star events or something like that. Or just get the call on the Wednesday before yeah, Nationals and be ranked third. Or just show up at a four star. Just show up at a four star. Qualification. Why not? No. <laughs> you know, when you just stay ready, like you are year round, I feel like you're always just one call away. Exactly, and it also helps living in the beaches. So <laughs> exactly, nice. So I think we've taken enough of your time. One thing that uh, you know, we always say the listeners, but I think it's Dallas and I really enjoy the stories from the road. So, oh, do you have anything you could share, either from your U twenty one trips or beach or indoor or university? Is there anything you can kind of share a unique volleyball experience that wasn't really about volleyball that you were traveling and something happened or? Well, obviously you have to do PG. Um, <laughs> so. I don't know, like, I don't have any, like, absurd stories. I haven't really been traveling that much, uh, like, recently. And, like, yeah. From what I can remember, like, yeah, I was telling you earlier how, yeah, I remember playing in my first World Championships at U19s, and I was in Cyprus, like, beautiful island in the Mediterranean, right? So, stunning. And we got eliminated, and then, uh, of course, like, when you get eliminated, you explore the land, and <laughs> you meet people from other countries, and maybe you, like, go for drinks or something, and, yeah, so... I heard that there was this place called like Mackenzie Beach, and it was a couple like 
dollars down the down the strip from where we were staying. And so I, I was with Jordan Pereira and like Dylan Debasheri and Shawan at the time. And I remember we we're like, yeah, let's let's go find this place. Like I heard it's like a really crazy like bar club scene. And yeah, so, so we start walking, and it's a really like populated area where we were staying in Martinica. And all of a sudden, like just, just like a freaking line of just you're in a ghost town all of a sudden. Like you're just walking, and then just nothing is there. Just a bunch of old houses just look like they're all like evicted people like no one lives there right and you're just walking for like three kilometers to this town and you are supposed to be at some club with a bunch of people and yeah so you're just walking and literally all of a sudden you just start hearing a slow beat like in the back <laughs> and you're like where is this coming from and there's no lights you don't see anything all of a sudden you just see that beat like just a little further ahead and you're like okay surely it's like a couple of streets away no like you're walking for like a long time and then, yeah, you just show up and pretty much you go from this ghost town and all of a sudden there's like five of these massive nightclubs on the beach with like thousands and thousands of people. And you're like, where the hell did this come out of? Like, no idea. But yeah, I remember the first time we went to walk, like we turned back because we're like, there's no way. Like this place is like, it's a myth. Like this place does not exist. Like there's no way. This is a freaking ghost town. But yeah, so I guess that would be like a PG one. So all my other ones, I'll save them. <laughs> yeah, I think we need to either get on what's it called? One of those Patreon programs where yeah. people pay for like passing dimes after dark. It's, it's and we passing can get dimes some. after dark. I, th I think Dallas could lead a few stories, and I think yeah, the volleyball community, like, it's, it's social. People like to have a good time. Very think, social. Yeah. Once the tournament ends, I think the beach and indoor guys, you, like you said, you make friends, you start talking yeah. to people from other countries, and you, yeah. you can get it going. I feel like. Yeah, I think that's the coolest thing with the beach scene. Like you get to meet so many awesome people from around the world, and you stay in contact with them, and everyone has that shared passion of like beach volleyball. So. Pretty much like if you're ever traveling let's say in europe or somewhere in asia or like australia or whatever it is like you will have a place to stay even if you met them once yeah true. like everyone's just so open and just loves to make friends so that's really cool perfect i hope you remember that when you're deciding between beach and indoor that, exactly uh, that's a big pull we, we can't <laughs> offer you know the, the guaranteed money and all these perks but yeah. uh we got get some good people long-lasting friends <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. Perfect. I think we covered everything. Obviously, you'll you'll be a returning guest, so if we missed anything, any of our listeners can comment and, and yeah. send in some reviews. But uh, we'd love to have you back on the show. But without my guy Dallas, I think I covered all the technical, tactical, history exactly. questions. Yeah. And uh, maybe when Dallas is back, we can yuck it up a little bit more. But thanks for oh, taking course. the time to do this. <laughs> thanks. I appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Easy guy to root for, so you can look for Tom playing at UFC. Uh, what's your Instagram in case people want to give you a follow there? Just Tom Sora. Pretty basic. Beauty. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, if he's ever back on the beach, I'm sure there'll be alert on our social media where people will know. We can, we can <laughs> break some news if we're doing that stuff. So exactly. thanks again for coming on the show and really appreciate it. Awesome. awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Tom. Special thanks to Thomas Sora for joining the show. Best of luck to Tom and the rest of the Dinos in their upcoming new sports seasons. Best of luck to friends of the show Jesse Elser, Joel Hannon, and Roland Bouchard who are also preparing for their upcoming new sports seasons. If you haven't already, feel free to go check out those episodes in our archive. And if you don't believe that summer is over, check out the archives for some great beach guests lately. Please leave a comment and a five-star review. We enjoy hearing from you. And remember, the best compliment you can give the show is by telling your friends. Stay tuned for new episodes every Friday. Stay excellent, friends.